0: I'm Leonidas from Ord.io, the platform revolutionizing how you search, browse, and vote on ordinal inscriptions. I'm thrilled to join you here on the Edge of NFT, your go-to podcast on everything extraordinary in Web3 and tech. Keep listening.
1: Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn all you wished you'd already knew about Ordinals, a new way to create NFTs through Bitcoin.
2: And what classic collector's item our guests today first started getting into through the local farmer's market.
1: Finally, explore the extraordinary world of primitive digital artifacts, revealing a captivating narrative of innovation and culture. And before we move on, don't forget our Outer Edge LA event recently returned to LA in March of 2023. You can now catch up on all the discussions, presentations, and more by heading over to watch.outeredge.live and registering with just your email address. Then you'll have access to over 60 captivating conversations and performances. Binge watchers are welcome. We'll see you inside.
3: Move. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem
1: and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Leonidas King, the passionate ordinal collector and visionary behind Orda.io, a revolutionary platform that takes your Bitcoin exploration to a whole new level, The trailblazer of the ordinal show, Leonidas, is also renowned for the Leonidas Collection, a treasure trove of historically significant NFTs from the era of 2011 to 2020. Much like prehistoric cave paintings, these primitive digital artifacts permanently etched into blockchains will serve as timeless relics for future generations. These pieces narrate a tale of innovation, culture, and empowerment and honor the early pioneers whose groundbreaking creations became the bedrock for modern NFTs. Word.io presents a unique opportunity to search, browse, and cast your vote on ordinal inscriptions in an unprecedented manner. Tune in and join them as they delve into the captivating world of Bitcoin and NFTs. Today, we're talking to Leonidas. How are you doing? Hello, Ethan. How's it going? I'm doing great. Awesome. Great to have you.
2: Yeah, man. It's really great to have you on. And my Twitter alerts are always going off with all the content that you're doing about sort of this whole Ordinals movement. So we thought, what better than have the Lion King himself on the show to break it down for us?
0: Well, I appreciate that. I'm pumped to be here.
2: Well, we are too. And we really want to sort of start at the beginning here. We have very informed listeners that are... Very curious about ordinals and BRC20, but for a lot of them, this is going to be very new. So at the very beginning, how did this movement come about and what's its essence? And then we'll go into details.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So this all started with this guy, Casey Rodamore. He's a Bitcoin core developer who came up with this really interesting way to take a SAT. So a SAT, also known as a Satoshi, is the smallest denomination of a Bitcoin. You can split every Bitcoin into 100 million sats. So you end up with 2.1 quadrillion sats in potential total circulation. And he assigns a number to these through this unique first in first out indexing method that he created, and essentially allows you to track all of these sats like individually as they move around the Bitcoin network. So this was an innovation, I think about maybe probably this time last year, he was really starting to formalize this, ended up creating a protocol called ordinals, and came up with this Second innovation, this guy's full of uh, magic tricks, where you can take basically any file, upload it to the Bitcoin blockchain, essentially store data on Bitcoin, just any arbitrary data. And when you combine these two things together, you end up with a fully on-chain NFT primitive. And that's what we call like ordinals, ordinal inscriptions.
2: Wow. When you say it like that, it all is pretty straightforward. What do you think, Ethan?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been following along with this. Of course, we're good friends with Trevor from The Ordinal Show as well, and been into this quite heavily and sort of watching it from a distance. There's a bit of a buzz around it, like I'm alluding to. And it's really basically, the essence is seemingly bringing in Bitcoin and more into this whole Web3 ethos, right? Which Ethereum is kind of sitting in and other tokens are, but maybe Bitcoin is seen as outside of it. So tell us a little bit about this, demystify how things are different at this moment here. Yeah, so it's a very
0: weird like melting pot of we've got Solana people, Ethereum people, NFT degens mixing with these like Bitcoiners who I would call reformed laser eye maxis. So they might have been in the kind of laser eye cult of Bitcoin maxis who essentially this is a bit of a generalization, but they believe that you use blockchains for currency. That's the only valid use case for blockchains. Everything else is to some degree unethical, and they really don't like the Web3 activity and all the innovation on Ethereum and these other chains. So yeah, I'm trying to think like, basically... Sorry, guys, I kind of lost my train of thought there. I didn't get much sleep last night. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no problem. My general question was kind of the development of the culture here of Web3 over Bitcoin, whereas it has been in existence within these other chains, You know, a little bit more heavily represented, right? Ethereum or Solana or other things, right? So yeah, you're mentioning that the Bitcoin maxis were a segment of culture that maybe wasn't as into the rest of the ecosystem or just thought of Bitcoin as a currency layer, right? Or tradable store of value. Yes. Yeah. So
0: basically that Web3 culture ended up moving to these other chains that actually started on Bitcoin back in 2014 with this protocol called Counterparty. And there were some interesting experiments there. But Vitalik basically came along and said, I want to do this stuff, but the people on Bitcoin aren't very friendly to experimentation and innovation. So they ended up doing this protocol, this blockchain called Ethereum, and you get this explosion in smart contracting and general purpose blockchains. And that's been largely the exciting trend in this space for the last six years or so. Bitcoin, in my opinion, kind of got left behind from a technological perspective, experienced a period of stagnation. And only recently with Casey's Ordinals Protocol have we started to break down that cultural wall on Bitcoin of it's only acceptable to do the currency use case. So now that we can do NFTs, we can do fungible tokens, people are doing meme coins, metaverse projects, everything you can do on Ethereum, there's some way you can probably hack it together on Bitcoin. It's not always going to be the best use case. Ethereum is really good because you do have these smart contracts. It's going to be a lot better at certain things. But specifically just for storing value, like I want to take this image and I want to put it immutably fully on-chain with this fully on-chain protocol, and I want to hold that, and I want it to store value for the next 100 years. In my opinion, Bitcoin does that better than any other chain. For the reason people value Bitcoin the currency, for that security and immutability and decentralization of the chain, people also value their art being stored here. So what we're kind of seeing is this more higher end of the market coming over to Bitcoin, You're not going to be doing these giant Solana style projects with millions of people doing lots of transactions, but you are going to see that higher end of the market, which is actually a larger percentage of the market kind of gravitate towards here. And that's at least the thesis is the highest value assets will want to be stored fully on chain on Bitcoin, because that's the most secure way to store that value over time.
2: So an analogy here might be like folks have referred to Bitcoin as digital gold, So in this case, what we're really talking about is engraving artifacts in Digital Gold, where once that it's engraved, it's going to be there for a long time.
0: Yeah, exactly. So because this data is immutable, you take that image, you store it fully on chain. It's very simple. There's nothing to do with it. You hold the asset. And it turns out that's actually very ideal for certain collectors and certain assets. So for example, on Ethereum, you have a lot of smart contracts that hold very valuable assets. And there's like this expectation by the collectors of those assets that it's going to be the same. But we've seen some projects. I won't name the project, but literally take that metadata, change it. They end up going to their gallery and seeing a middle finger is now the artwork, right? So that's because the metadata isn't frozen. So it's not a fully immutable primitive. So basically taking the data and storing it on chain, and then not being able to change that data it seems like it might be you know, a limitation, but it actually turns out that's a benefit for storing value and for certain assets because your IPFS link won't get unpinned in two years because you stopped paying the bills. right? It's stored fully on chain. Your metadata is not going to get changed because there would be no way to change the metadata. And while it might be beneficial for certain projects to have that general purpose smart contracting on Ethereum, for specifically high-end NFT assets, the kind of like grail assets, you would imagine you just want it to be the same. It's the Mona Lisa gets painted and then we don't want anything happening to it. That is what Bitcoin is really good at storing.
2: Very cool. I wanted to cover a few other sort of technical areas of innovation that we were chatting about in the green room before, just to make sure that we cross our eyes here. Actually, dot our I's, cross our T's, right? You almost
1: forgot to <laughs> dot that I. Cross it instead.
2: <laughs> I could have used more sleep last night, too. <laughs> but we've got rare sats, right?
1: Wait, now it's time for our next segment, a new recurring segment we're calling Nap <laughs> 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 Where everybody on the show takes a five-minute nap.
2: <laughs> Ethan, we're going to use your radio show voice and turn you into a meditation coach. That'll be good.
1: You're getting very sleepy. Just lay down and relax. Feel... Feel the relaxation.
2: I'm sold. We may get some new listeners with this segment. (laughs) Maybe they'll process the rest of the recording with a little bit more focus as a result. I don't know. Anyways, speaking of innovation, like rare sats, recursion, can you talk to us a little bit about these sort of things as well?
0: Yeah. So rare sats is basically taking these 2.1 quadrillion sats that we now can individually track. And certain ones are being found more valuable than others by the market. So I'll just give one example. Satoshi Nakamoto mined the sat. And it was one of the set of sats that he sent to somebody as a gift. It then got sent throughout the network over time. And then these sat hunters go and they sift through... Like I know people who've sifted through billions of dollars of Bitcoin in their wallet, extracting these rare sats. And basically, there's a market for these because you can then inscribe on them And that's an interesting thing for a collector. So now you can have an NFT and you have your image, right? But it's on a sat that was held in Satoshi's wallet, which is this like extra cool level (laughs) of an NFT that you can't really do on another chain just because of the way uh, Bitcoin works. So that is the kind of lowdown on rare stats. We could dive into, there's absurd ideas I've heard, like Hitman sats from Russ Ulbricht's arrest, like all kinds of crazy sats that have been part of interesting moments in Bitcoin's history. like Pizza sats were part of the 10,000 Bitcoin transaction that bought two pizzas back in May 2010. And then actually the creator, Ordinals, Casey Rodemore, created this rarity index built into the Ordinals protocol saying that the first sat in a block is uncommon and basically specifying a bunch of these rare sats. And there's about 700,000 uncommons. And we just saw the other day that OKX started extracting theirs from their wallets, it looks like. Don't quote me on that. This is just what is the buzz. We're seeing miners also starting to pluck those out when they mine a block. They can get a little extra in addition to their reward by taking those and selling those. They're worth roughly $500 right now. So that's rare sats.
1: So, a quick question about the sats in general Can you trade a SAT without it being in your wallet? Does it make sense? So, like, I might have sats in my wallet that somehow are attached to some previous transaction a long time ago. But is it that you're trading something that's almost like a collector's card of that actual sat, right? Or do you have to actually have it in your wallet to have that sat, right? I'm assuming it's more like the collecting cards type of style thing or both or a little bit of
0: both. You could think about this and frame it in different ways. Casey calls this like a collective delusion of like, we now believe that these first in first out indexing is how we're going to trace these sats. But yeah, basically, the way to think about it is, say you have half a Bitcoin in your wallet, that's 50 million sats. That's probably going to be sats from 2009, 2014, hundreds of different places because it got sent all around the network and you got this mixed group of 50 million sats, okay? Each one of those sats, you could individually select it in your wallet and transfer that specific sat to another address. So you are in that way, like trading a specific sat But again, this is all this sort of like made up indexing model that is not officially part of the Bitcoin protocol. But because so many people believe in it, it becomes a thing, if that makes sense. I think it makes sense.
1: Yeah. It creates like a numismatics around Bitcoin, right? Where there wasn't one before. And then it's really up to the collectors what they find interesting or not, right? It's None of these has inherent value. It's all human culture around, oh, this nickel was half made with copper or whatever it was. And so I'd love to have it. And I think rarity is a common theme when it comes to numismatics and collectibles and things like that.
2: I also think, Ethan, as Bitcoin being a very scarce asset becomes more scarce. This is sort of foreshadowing a way of looking at the value of Bitcoin in a more granular fashion.
0: Totally. This is the analogy I'm kind of using that I like that kind of makes sense. Like Bitcoin is digital gold the rare sats are digital diamonds. So people are finding these little diamonds that are much more scarce than the 2.1 quadrillion sats. And there'll be some very, very small percentage of all Bitcoin that they can specify and kind of basically have this narrative around and then basically trade those as if they're non-fungible. Yeah.
2: And do we cover recursion yet?
0: No. So yeah, recursion is this upgrade that we had to the Ordinals Protocol last week where before this upgrade, you would inscribe a file and it just sits on the full nodes all around the world. And it's just a file, and it doesn't know anything about other files. In the new upgrade, you can basically use a certain standard specifying in your inscription with code. You can say, hey, I'm going to inscribe a bunch of HTML code, and I want to pull this image from this other inscription that is stored on Bitcoin into my new inscription." and then place it on an HTML canvas, for example. So the way this works is, imagine you have a 10,000 profile picture collection, right? This would be extremely expensive to mint. On fully on chain on Bitcoin, storing those 10,000 JPEGs fully on chain is not the cheapest thing. People spent over a million dollars inscribing Bitcoin apes, for example. With recursion, you could do that for a hundred times less money, right? So maybe let's say like you take like 50 or hundred, however many traits there are in your collection, you take those you inscribe those transparent png files okay and then you create 10000 inscriptions of html or svg code that basically says hey i want the data for inscription and then you would do the id for that inscription of this trait and i want this trait and i want this trait bring those three traits in place them here you end up with the on-chain art still right it's the exact same image output it at the end of the day you just stored it in a much much more efficient manner So it's essentially an efficiency upgrade that unlocks generative art, basically.
2: It's like Bitly. It's like instead of the full handle for the website, you have an abbreviation that still leads you to the end product.
0: Yes, that's actually a great point. Yep, there's a standard like kind of Bitly to basically reference something else.
2: You're totally allowed to use that analogy moving forward on the show without any attribution at all.
1: Awesome. So this is a new thing. People don't necessarily know what to make of it. Full disclosure, we this could come and go. We don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on here, but maybe there's some people who are interested. So because they just want to learn more and get into it, we're talking about folks like maybe there's a digital art collector or a fine art collector, or just someone who wants to know if it's going to affect them in some way. What is a great way for people to kind of know more about it? Where would you send them? I would tend to say go to
0: ordinals.com. This is the official Explorer created by Casey. And he has a handbook that he created on there. I'd spend 30 minutes, just read through that. That's going to get you up to speed pretty fast. And as far as like getting fully like onboarded from a practical perspective, you basically want to download what's effectively the equivalent of the MetaMask for Bitcoin. So Xverse and Hero are two Chrome extensions that you can just download your extension. It's basically an identical experience using MetaMask. And then you can send Bitcoin into that from some other wallet address that you have or from Coinbase or wherever. And now you basically have a wallet that you can start doing things with. So you can connect to like Ethereum has dApps. Now Bitcoin has dApps. So you would go to a website, right? And you'd connect your wallet. And then you could say, I want to go to Magic Eden's Ordinals Marketplace. You'd connect your Bitcoin wallet, and then you would buy your first inscription. You could go to ordinalsbot.com. You could take a file, you could drag and drop it. You could send that into the Bitcoin network, then you'd pay the fee that it costs to inscribe. So all of the things you'd want to do, there's websites and tools now where you can just go connect your wallet and start interacting in this space. If you're used to using MetaMask and OpenSea and all this stuff on Ethereum, this will feel pretty familiar to you. It wasn't like this for the first month or so, but the tooling's gotten a lot better.
1: So quick follow up there. i guessing, of course, people who are into NFTs and blockchain and crypto trading and things like that are interested in this. And so they're kind of making a transition from, oh, I was trading this and I'm going to go over and get into this. Are you seeing anybody going directly into this? Like, oh, I wasn't into NFTs, but I want to check out Ordinals. Is that a thing that you're seeing? And if so, what kind of person would that be? Yeah. So there's all kinds of like weird situations like
0: this. So if you're aware, like Peter Schiff is this very outspoken critic of Bitcoin saying it holds zero value. He actually totally flooded crypto flooded Bitcoin flooded NFTs for a very long time and then actually came out a few weeks ago, pro-ordinals. He thinks it's pretty cool that you can store data fully on chain from an art perspective on Bitcoin. He might not be super thrilled about some of the things that are going on, but that's an example of someone that I would personally would have never imagined we'd be orange billing Peter through ordinals. But there are people like that who just for whatever reason, the Bitcoin currency use case wasn't interesting to them, but they're very interested in this stuff. Like Michael Saylor, is an example as well of someone who wasn't interested in Web3 on other chains, but is a Bitcoiner, obviously holds a very large percentage of the Bitcoin supply, so is now interested in Web3 because it's happening on Bitcoin. So it attracts different people. There's a crowd of Bitcoiners who find this interesting. And they probably would have found web three interesting, but because of their bags, they couldn't justify going and using other chains, which to me is a little silly. I think everyone should tip their toes into everything and experiment. But yeah, there's definitely this kind of group of people that you would not expect to be doing web three stuff that because it's on Bitcoin, it's now a little more socially acceptable for them to do that.
1: In this Peter Shipp thing, this is for real. Like He's not like a spoof. This is him actually doing this, huh? Yeah. So my co-founder actually met up with him at an
0: event, an ordinal event on Friday in New York City and got him to put on an ordinals or .io hat and we inscribed that image. So the guy is clearly he's interested in the art side of things, which I think it's pretty fun. We were very welcoming to people, like Solana people, Ethereum people, Tezos people. Bitcoin used to be a little bit adversarial to these groups. Like we're very excited for these people to come here and we're very excited for them to share what they learned in their Web3 experiences on other chains so that Bitcoin can grow and improve. I think we have to open our minds a little bit.
2: Yeah, totally. Another analogy that came to mind for me is like, AirWeave for, for Bitcoin, right? I mean, permanent storage, that's something that really did sort of shift the conversation around sort of Web3 because it offered an alternative solution for permanency, which now is available in this community. We're all about co-creation, having open dialogue. You need to hear all perspectives. And you're having some really cool conversations on The Ordinal Show with different individuals. Can you give us a glimpse into any of the interesting sort of combos of late and the type of stuff you guys like to talk about?
0: We start out very organized and then it derails after the first maybe hour and a half. But yeah, like I love having Udi on. Udi is this interesting character who was a hardcore Bitcoin maxi. Okay. Like very much the laser eye sort that would be very kind of annoying (laughs) if you were a Web3 person who kind of came over to saw the light, came over to Ethereum, was playing around with Web3 stuff and realized, hey, like from a dev perspective, there's actually like really interesting stuff going on here. And now is this kind of outspoken advocate and kind of holds the line between the culture war happening on Bitcoin of the Bitcoin Maxis and the Ordinals people who are both kind of fighting for what they believe the future of Bitcoin should be here. So yeah, he's definitely an interesting character. He's behind the Taproot Wizards project. They came in pretty strong really early on. They have inscription number 652, and it was the largest block ever mined on Bitcoin. So they stored a full four megabyte file on Bitcoin, and that's their first NFT in their collection.
2: Yeah, I have definitely seen those guys around. And in fact, our host for Outer Edge LA did a wizard shower on stage. And I didn't even know about it until after the fact. I was kind of irritated because I would have been happy to also make sure that Ethan, Jeff, and I got a wizard shower live as well. But alas, that didn't happen. And I'm sure we'll have Udi on the show at some point soon or later.
0: I actually remember. So we were doing an ordinal show while that was happening. And I think, I guess, Medved was must have been there as well because he was like, giving us the live reports on Outer Edge, I think, maybe so.
2: Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. Nice. That's fun. I was in a Twitter space with Mike and Trevor and saying, oh, we could do a wizard shower over here. If we go and to pull it together, we'll pull it off. I think at that time it probably happened. Maybe not, maybe it was about to happen or something, but yeah. Anyways, well, tell us about Ord.io. This is kind of your baby here. It's doing things to revolutionize how people can interact with ordinal inscriptions. Could you give us a peek behind the curtain?
0: Yeah, so my co-founder Zach and I, we basically had this idea back in March to take this Explorer experience, which at the time was essentially this feed of every block that gets mined. You get a bunch of new inscriptions created, all of these files, and you could view them on ordinals.com. And we were basically like, okay, you can see this in the newest order. But we really want to see the coolest inscriptions at any given time. So we're trying to like think of ways to create signal through all of that noise. So what we ended up doing was creating Ord.io, which is an explorer for ordinal inscriptions. And what you can basically do is go use a bunch of these complex sorting, filtering mechanisms to find interesting things. So you could sort by file type. You could sort by the oldest sat right, that's inscribed on all of these things that collectors Kind of more than nerdy collectors, I would say, care about. And then you can actually upvote the inscription. So you connect with a wallet, okay, and then you sign a message verifying your ownership of at least one ordinal inscription in your address. So we know that if you're voting, you hold at least one ordinal inscription. We're using PIP3 to do that. And then you can start voting on the site. So what we see is people find interesting things and they'll upvote those. Those will start trending on the homepage. And then in that way, it's kind of like a Reddit or hacker news style experience where the top inscriptions that people are inscribing get put to the top. So people go to ord.io to see not only what's you can check out what's new that's popping up and then vote on that, but you can also see what's the hottest thing that's happening in ordinals right now. So like all of the kind of popular projects that are minting and stuff right now, you'll start to see those start trending and you can kind of keep an eye for things. I would say. Something that we didn't quite expect that's interesting is because this is a fully on chain primitive, pretty much all of the quote unquote alpha, like everything you would really want to know, is fully on chain. So you can go look and explore these different assets and find something interesting being inscribed and actually know about that like before people tweet about it like two days later, right? So all that information is live like on the blockchain as it happens, which is just, it's kind of an interesting dynamic that doesn't really exist on other chains. And it's just because of how this protocol works.
2: Yeah, it's really cool, man. I'm on there right now. I see a mix of aliens and really high definition art with some computer programming language with a lot of Pepes. So he's still trending. How do you make these tags work? Whether it's like, I see GIFs versus text, versus videos, versus game, versus audio, versus 3D. Do you have like some AI tools working or a whole team that's tagging all these images?
0: So, we are just using the file type specifically for the tabs. So, you could go to images or GIFs, like you said. These are going to be like the images, for example, is going to be PNGs, WebPs, JPEGs. And we just group those together as a simple sort of filtering mechanism. But what's more interesting to me is you go further along the line, the more kind of weird experiments people are trying. So, like there's a game section. So, people are uploading games fully on chain on Bitcoin that you can play on our site. People are inscribing these 3D files that if you have an iPhone, you can go to this 3D tab, click on any inscription under that tab and click the AR button and then throw it into your walk outside, throw it into your front yard or something. It's kind of fun. So people are trying lots of interesting experiments and we just want to support that. We are doing some AI tagging. So every inscription goes through AI moderation filter. And we also tag those with any sort of like, I'm going to be honest, it's not that great Okay. But the AI will tag an asset based on if it sees like somebody wearing a hat, it'll put a hat tag on it or it'll put sunglasses on it. And then you can search in our search bar for hat. Okay. And then you could click search and then see all the inscriptions that have a hat. It's not perfect, but people are using it in like kind of fun ways. And we're definitely going to look to improve that feature over time.
2: Very cool. Well, this is such a nascent space. And I think at this early stage, it's probably a little bit difficult to sort of look at the roadmap for ordinals and ord.io and whatnot, but let's try it anyways. As you sort of look ahead, what are the types of collaborations, sort of innovations, partnerships that you see sort of forthcoming in this space?
0: So the large centralized exchanges have showed interest in the BRC20 protocol, which is the fungible token protocol built on top of ordinals. So I think nine of the top 10 Crypto exchanges have tweeted about it and like OKX is actively working on their ability to trade BRC20 tokens. And I think there are a few tokens actually tradable now. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Shout out to like Binance, CZ has shown interest. Somebody shared this video with me a few months ago where somebody asked him at this conference in Hong Kong, what are you most excited for in crypto? And he said, NFTs in Bitcoin, what his answer was. So we were like, okay, well, that's interesting. So I like inscribed the video of him saying that for fun. And yeah, it's interesting. I think the centralized exchanges are just a very powerful force in this space. So if they want to build integrations, integrate it with their marketplace for NFTs, like Binance has done more recently with inscriptions now being able to be traded there. I think the more integrations, the better. I'm personally very excited about let's build some infrastructure around rare sats and how can we trade rare sats, extract rare sats that market's interesting. We've got pretty good infrastructure. Like Magic Eden is the number one marketplace by volume for trading inscriptions right now. And that seems to be all going pretty smoothly. That's a good experience. I think I'd like to see more builders interested in building around their stats. That's personally what we're excited to build towards right now. So yeah, just go to Twitter, see what people are complaining about, and then try to build some sort of solution for them would be a great start if I was a builder joining the space.
1: Gotcha. Well, we're going to wrap up soon here, go over to quick hitters. That should be pretty fun. But before we do, a great question to always explore is what else are you paying attention to? Of course, you're deep into the ordinals right now. Things in ordinals that we may not have mentioned and you might not be involved with, as well as other things in Web3 that maybe the listeners might find interesting.
2: Maybe even just a collection coming out that you're excited about.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So
0: there's lots of these like little, we call them metas in ordinals where we, I think we covered where stats and recursion are really popular right now. But I'm excited for people to just keep exploring this protocol and keep experimenting with what they can do. So I would really like to see some generative art get created. Like because we now have recursion, you can create a provably random number on chain on Bitcoin that does a reveal in the future. Okay. And then make art. With the same packages that Artbox does and do that in a very efficient, cost effective manner. So, to be honest, like Onchain Monkey is the main example I can think of. This stuff is very brand new. Like this upgrade was literally last week. So, Onchain Monkey is the kind of main name in this right now. I actually don't hold one of their pieces, but I wish I did. And basically, my guess is we're going to start to see some more serious generative art being created here. So, I would just keep an eye out for. The specifically the art block style artists coming here and creating stuff because that is now unlocked by the protocol. So I'll, I'll double down on recursion there. And I'll say, I'll give another shout out to Udi. Like they have a pretty cool project. They've fully inscribed the Taproot Wizards project. And I think that'll be a really big mint when it comes out. So if I was in this space, I would personally be doing their wizard school, right? Like that is very, in my opinion, like the easiest way to like just get a whitelist for an asset that will probably be worth a decent little prize there, right? So I would say definitely check out their wizard school. Yeah, that's kind of two things that are on the horizon that I think are pretty exciting. And there's all kinds of cool people like trying stuff with rare stats right now as well. I'll give a shout out to Jameson. They're doing some interesting stuff. And Elena is doing some interesting stuff with rare stats. So just get plugged into the space, like come listen to the Ordinal show. You'll kind of hear about some of the more interesting things going on. Shout out or.io. You can always go see what's kind of trending. That might be a cool hint. But there's been an explosion of people coming to the space trying cool stuff over the past couple of weeks. So there's a lot of interesting stuff to look at. I honestly can't quite keep up myself
1: now. <laughs> Yeah, we found also you're hosting a show about the thing. Sometimes it's even harder to keep track of everything because you got to put so much time into making the show. <laughs>
2: yeah, people think we know about everything happening in this space. And yeah, we don't have time to buy the
1: NFTs that are valuable. That's been a bane of our existence. That's,
2: uh, we got a few here. We got there. a few. We got a few.
1: You have questions about blockchain? Like,
3: how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that
1: chain letter? how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? (laughs) Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because blockchain training alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code of for 50% off and start your next block today. All right, now it's time for a special new recurring segment, which we're calling the Mocha Moment. We'll be catching up with the team at Mochaverse on a monthly basis given the breadth and depth of their special growing ecosystem. Mochaverse. So Mochaverse is the Animocha brand's membership NFT collection of 8,888 unique beings, the Mochas. They are building the world's largest Web3 identity pass in culture and entertainment, empowering personal growth, partner project growth, and the growth of adoption of Web3 in general. For full disclosure, our parent company, Edge of Company, lies within the Mochaverse ecosystem. This regular segment is sponsored as part of our media partnership. Today, we'll focus on some exciting updates around Mochaverse's participation in ApeCoin DAO with our guest, Tyler Durden, who leads Mochaverse and is also head of projects at Animoca Brands. Tyler, welcome to Edge of NFT. Can't wait to chat.
4: Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, we've been talking a lot since uh, you guys joined us at Outer Edge LA, and we, of course, minted our mochas, and and you know, this segment is part of sort of our ongoing partnership to sort of bring more visibility to what you guys are doing in the space. Of course, um, we're doing all sorts of fun content together. Uh, Tyler, thanks to you and your team, I got to check off something on my bucket list that I never thought I would ever do, which is to moderate a, a presidential election of sorts with the special counsel. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for that.
4: Well, I hope you had fun. It's been a pretty exciting session back then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It got a little feisty and um, we'll talk a little bit more about that during uh, this special uh, segment, but just to kick things off, remind us and the audience of Significance of Mochaverse holding these 1.5 million eight coins and as a result uh why the special council election was the first proposal uh the Mocha DAO decided to vote on
4: well it's definitely an uh, so I would say it's a social experiment and an experiment in Web3 to actually do something like that we are actually I think we we're probably the first community to get delegated a huge chunk of governance tokens um to a NFT community and further decentralize the voting rights um, to the MoCaverse holders and that is just aligning with the ethos that Animoca Brands has been advocating for which is decentralization and DAO. So it's actually very exciting to do something like that and it's definitely an experiment um, and this experiment has been very exciting. I would say the first proposal to be voting on Um, the 8-point special counsel and the steward election. Mainly the reason is because we want to show good gesture and that's like the first step that we want to take. Um, Actually, previously, there was a proposal from one of our subsidiary companies for proposing about 8-point accelerator um, uh, and MoGaverse decided to vote abstain. The whole reason being like we don't want the first vote to be voting in favor um, of um some some companies and the project that's affiliated with animal brand so um like even though we don't have full control over the voting rights um with the mochaverse we still want to uh show good gesture um uh, but i'm still happy harry's to get like the A best salary to pass and congratulations to him like kudos has been working really hard for that
2: yeah and and there's a lot of of um folks that stepped up to um take this this seat in the special council. Do you, do you recall how many uh, candidates there were?
4: Uh, I believe it's about 20 um, special counsel yeah. uh, candidates. And I would say most of them, uh, maybe 17, 18 of them are already in the First Discord server. So they have been like talking to us and the community on a daily basis to make sure that the community make um, educated and informed decisions. So even like there's uh, one of the special counsel um, candidate basically just made a tweet about like how surprised he is to receive BMs from vote first holders, and they actually reach out and be like, hey, can you? share with us more about your vision and all that. So vote first holders are not just voting for the sake of voting. Like they really care about the A point community and it's like a really good first step in terms of cross committee synergy and collaboration.
1: Yeah it sounds like a, a fun process and um it's 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 complicated, you know, whenever there's voting involved and and uh and that kind of stuff. But I'm I'm curious, you know how the process of voting, any resulting engagement, did this match your expectations? You know, is there anything you kind of would like to see more of in the future
4: when it comes to this type of thing? Yeah, I would say the resale, um is, is pretty great. And the reaction from the community is super positive. And um, at, like we set our quorum at 5% of the MOCAs. So we have about like 6,200 circulating MOCAs five um, percent of that is about 300 mogas and surprisingly we got a thousand three hundred mogas that voted so it's actually great as four more than four times the quorum, Um, and a, a lot of them are still waiting to vote because they want to wait until they get all the information before making their decision so um, I would say it's overwhelming and I would say another Really great reaction is not only from a Mocaverse community, but also from a community. So you can also see on uh, CT right now, there's actually a bunch of tweets about like um, AidPoint and Mocaverse um, collaboration and actually working uh, together on this. And um, the, the the thing that we keep asking and the Mocaverse holders keep asking is really like, how do you foresee uh, you as special counsel can actually bring uh, synergies collaboration? Um, with the rest of the Web3 communities. And people are asking questions not only really about Mochaverse only, but actually everyone is so interested about um, how ApeCoin is going to spread the influence, not only within the Ape community, right? Because a lot of people misunderstand that. like ApeCoin is only for Yuga Labs uh, NFT assets, but that's not true. Actually, ApeCoin is very independent from the Yuga Labs ecosystem even though like by design uh previously the airdrop was to you collapse nfts but then um like that that probably uh i would say account for a huge chunk of the a coin. but then at the same time everyone can buy an a coin, and everyone uh even with one point they can participate in DAO. so um yeah i would say that's very interesting to see
1: yeah maybe, maybe you have some insight in this i remember it was think it was just after our first nft la 2022 was around the time apecoin was minting i i was i was i was i think it was afterwards because just like relaxing taking a little break in in sort of the wilderness of of la and happened upon this little shop where this one was selling crafts and things and uh, we started talking about blockchain and she said she bought some apecoin. <laughs> I said, "Wow, I I just, you know, I'm surprised that you know about this and what's going on." And I said, "Where did you hear about it?" And she said, "Oprah." Uh so <laughs> I don't know how how Oprah's got involved with apecoin, but I think that's fascinating uh, that she's out there uh proselytizing
4: the the well, good word. She probably she probably hosts the biggest bank right now. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fascinating.
2: <laughs> yeah, you never do know, but but I think um, it's worth underscoring uh, the 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 importance of of what's happening here in the macro picture, right? Of um, you know, uh, uh, challenging times, you know, globally and uh, in the U.S. for sort of Web three and sort of the importance of sort of creating new partnerships and in really sort of scaling um, web three onboarding Um, that's what everyone has been talking about for the entire year and now it's time to to do it. Um, So it really begs the question Tyler what do you foresee these two communities doing more together um, you know here on based on sort of these early signs.
4: Yeah, I would foresee there's actually a lot to do together. So, for example, Mocha first holders they can actually make a proposal to a coin, and I think the whole design about 1.5 million, uh so specific about 1.5, is because we don't want uh, the voting powers to be so deterministic about and to uh, basically eventually disrupt the whole a coin voting uh, mechanism. So. 1.5 is actually carefully designed by looking at all the data of the previous proposals in uh, A-Coin DAO. So um, obviously, like uh, Animoki Brands uh, Treasury has more than 1.5 million million 8.0, and um, like we, we choose to do, taking like a portion of that is mainly for that reason. We don't want to swing the boat determin- deterministically, But then we also want to make sure there's sufficient influence in a way that can it would foster cross community collaboration. So almost like you can imagine like first holders proposing something that potentially using A point and uh, adopting A point like that would be a win win situation for both. If you ask me, um, potentially um, probably probably this very experimental. But let's say like for example, right. The DAO actually proposed do, doing a token swap with uh, between Mogiverse and Apecoin. And then, like each treasury, actually have mutual interest and incentive, um, and everyone has skin in the game to actually drive cross community collaboration in the future. So, um, I think something would be uh, very experimental uh, going forward. And Apecoin is supposed to um, advocate open metaphors as a whole. Um, and not just about like you assets, right? And providing utilities towards that. So I, I think what would be interesting is the new special counsel uh, ca- candidates and the, the actual special counsel to be elected. I would say it's very important, not only from um, being basically like the gatekeeper for the Dow, but also um, the candidates with sufficient influence in the industry they can actually drive this narrative about cross-community collaboration so yeah really excited to see that um there are a lot of great special counsel uh, candidates right like if you look at um captain trippy like waban with like legal background and then um there's just a bunch of like really great um candidates and one actually uh, candidate that stand out is is probably the only Asian um in the candidate list right if you look at the special council candidates like actually most of them are um actually from Europe right or from uh, North America so um actually I think uh, Carmen Pock is the only one um, who is uh, representing the Asian region. And also at the same time, like has been um, in Mocha community from day one, like it's been driving um, a lot of the community events and he even offered help to um, do Mocha DAO uh, proposal analysis. So um, he's been like one of the biggest uh, advocates for, for Mocha community. And that's also why you can see that more than 50% of the Mocha posts actually go to Carmen pocket. And he's basically after the Mochaverse votes, he is going to be the number one um, number one leader um actually in in the eight point uh, special council election,
2: yeah. he has a decisive uh, lead at the moment, like uh, overpowering lead.
4: well, I think it is probably uh, not going to be overpowered, because um if you look at fifty percent of our vote is going to be um 750,000 and i think he got about like 500,000 uh, from 8 point so it's not entirely from us and uh i think captain trippy and um uh and Swicky like they actually got 1.2 million so i think like after the multiverse votes is going to be very very close um but the first round is about uh the top 5 getting into the second round so uh whoever is getting to the um uh, second round, they will have like another round of voting and election.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can just say from moderating the debate with SWIKI and uh, WABAM, these are very thoughtful individuals that are deeply passionate about sort of the the values of Mochaverse and DAO, and, and are taking this process very seriously.
1: So Tyler, what's next for, for Mochaverse? What can we look forward to in the coming months and dare I say years, I don't know. What's on the the roadmap here?
4: Yeah, so I I was just want to say uh, whatever we're building, we're building for um, basically something that can be composable uh, across like Odyssey partners and the industry. So uh, if you follow our news, we just launched our marketplace uh, powered by wearable. And um, it, you can almost see that marketplace in the future can be interoperable with the other projects. And it doesn't have to be any Mocha brands projects, but actually you can see like future collection to be launching on the platform as well. Um, and uh, everyone probably would be following the XP system as well. Uh, the XP system is is, is very experimental. So it's basically like a social reputation that actually represent you as a Mocha entity holders. Um, from four perspectives. Uh, One is from uh, basically sticking, and then the second is being socially engaged, the third one is participating in Odyssey partners, such as playing games, scoring high. Um, And the fourth one, which is pretty important, is participating in proposals and DAO and uh, providing thoughtful suggestions to the community. Um, so you can almost see this um, kind of XP system to be replicable with a lot of the Odyssey partners in the future and um, the first two experiments with uh, R8 previously which was a very successful event which is to um, use XP as a way to get users to have a first-hand experience with a good product Um, I think what is amazing is that we've received from a lot of the community members and saying like, hey, like if it wasn't for the Mocha XP and Mocha first Anthony, I probably wouldn't have uh, downloaded the, the app and the game. But now like, I first tried it. And now uh, even after the campaign, we're still playing it on a daily basis. So I want to buy the entity pass right now. So this is something that is amazing. And uh, we uh, intentionally experimented this um and on purpose and then like we, you can basically see like positive feedback from it so i would say the web free growth model hasn't been figured out yet and we're here to stretch the target and um to to experiment and to make it happen uh, I don't think anyone has really figured out like what's the real user ac- user acquisition engagement and retention referral funnel look like. And we're here to uh, make sure that we do that for the industry and exclusively for our Odyssey partners.
2: Yeah, great stuff. And um, really appreciate you spending some time with us. I know you're you're off to uh, Singapore soon. Wish you well in, on that trip. And yeah. Um, uh, excited to continue to have these updates with with uh, with with the different members of the MochaVerse community um, and mix it up a little bit and uh, do content on on in sort of the Web three world as well, more Twitter Spaces and and whatnot. So uh, this
4: was a great beginning to uh, future adventures. Yeah, thanks a lot. Really excited for it. it this I was just want to say this is a great platform to share updates with you guys and like it's a really great platform uh and and just chilling and chatting with you guys in general.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 nice to get this inside scoop on on everything cool happening um in a community that we care a lot about. So, thanks for joining us Tyler.
1: Let's move on to Edge Quick Hitters. These are Quick hitters is a fun, quick way to get to know you a bit better. There are 10 questions. We're looking for just a short, single, or few word response, but feel free to expand if you get the urge. Are you ready? I am ready. He is ready. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life?
0: I'm not sure if it's the first thing I purchased, but I remember going to collect coins at the like farmer's market. This guy had a stand with like all these old coins. When I was a little kid, I'd go with my dad and sift through all these like old coins. I'd look at the dates, try to find the oldest one. I remember that being a pretty fun experience. So like you mentioned, I have some nickels in my collection, some hay pennies, so some interesting stuff there. Fun
1: stuff, yeah. Shout out to farmer's markets. Always love the farmer's market. Actually, I was chatting with a friend, my son's preschool, talking to another parent, and I found out they had a little farmer's market stand that they make their own little pastry things. It's. We got to go check that out. All right, next question. What is the first thing you ever remember selling in your life? That's
0: interesting. Yeah. So I mowed lawns in high school. So I would like go around and you could say selling a service of my sweat. (laughs) Maybe that would be something I guess I can remember actively selling. Yeah.
2: That's a common early enterprise. All right. So what is the most recent thing you purchased?
0: So I just got a microphone and stand so that I would sound better on podcasts. So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I got that a few days ago.
2: Sounding very good, I might say. So some good research there. What is the most recent thing you sold?
0: Yeah, last thing I sold would be a few Bitcoin punks. I was very like early to getting some Bitcoin punks. So I just like to take a little bit off the table. I sold like, I think 5% of that. Basically, pretty much like I collected a lot of NFTs during the bull run of 2021. And basically, have just held most of those NFTs, like ridden a lot of them, pretty much all the way down here. And it's just like <laughs> it would kind of be demoralizing to like sell some of them now. So I'm trying to just kind of hold this through, you know, wait till the next kind of exciting bull run, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: What do they call that? What do they call it? <laughs> the gambler's fallacy, <laughs> like sunk costs fallacy, sunk costs fallacy. <laughs> oh yeah, whatever I just said there is like probably the opposite of what any investment book would ever say. But we're gonna ride. It's a common, you know, it's a little bit different. I think it's a common collector's type of thing and mindset. I don't know if it's really exactly the sunk cost fallacy, but, but it's like, I like this. I'm going to keep it. Uh, Why well, get rid of it? All right. Next question. What is your most prized possession? I wouldn't call it a possession, but like, I don't know, like probably like my family,
0: my dogs, I'm a very much minimalist in real life. So don't really value, like <laughs> I drive like an old car and just like, I don't know. I don't own that many things in real life. So maybe that's my real life answer. And then in the metaverse, I love my Satoshi card. I have four of them and they're this very early dank art on Bitcoin on Counterparty from 2015. And it's the first, it's actually part of my PFB here. It's the outer hoodie part. And that is art from Counterparty, like I was saying, and it's the first
1: crypto art depicting Satoshi ever. I find it very cool. Yeah, That's fun. And we did find out from a lawyer, although this is not legal advice, that your children are your possessions until they're 18. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. That is true. (laughs) I think, I don't know. I think he said something like that when answering this very question. All right. Next question is number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service experience that is currently for sale, what would it be? Probably bribe an Apple employee. I'd like to check out the Apple Vision Pro, maybe. All right. Well, we don't know if that's currently for sale, but there's a lot of Apple employees, maybe. I think I would go for the bride. I think it would be worth it.
2: They keep a tight ship, but you never know. Yeah, they've left them in bars before. It would be a
0: pretty fun party trick to whip out the Apple Vision Pro, I think.
2: I think so, yeah. Someone's probably going to do it at some point. All right, so if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I would say I'm pretty curious. Try to be open-minded.
0: Try to like experiment with different things. I would say this is what Bitcoin got wrong for the last six years. It got it right for its first couple of years. And then I would say that kind of experimentation, excitement around trying new things kind of left Bitcoin and went over to Ethereum. And I very much want to make sure that gets brought back to Bitcoin. I think that recipe for innovation of just trying a thousand crazy ideas and hoping that a few of them work is how we innovate and move the space forward and get mass adoption. So yeah, I would say just like stay curious, I guess, experiment.
2: I appreciate that. And just specifically on that point, like I remember some of those early Bitcoin conferences and it was like, there was this air of possibility and excitement, right? But then you went later and it was like, well, what next? It's just like, yeah, I hold Bitcoin. Oh, I hold it too. It's like, all right, well, what are we going to talk about here? Is that enough to like produce some cultural glue? And at the end of the day, when I hear everything you've shared about Ordinal's, I think for me, it's very reminiscent of the cultural spark in the Web3 movement. Yeah, these NFTs go up, they go down, some work, some don't. But it creates a new energy, a new sort of potential for an innovative blare to the conversation that wasn't there before.
0: Totally. Completely agree with that.
2: So good that an innovation-focused guy like yourself is on the mic. All right. So if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be?
0: Probably like I'm definitely a bit stubborn and have uh, this is very contrasting to me saying I'm open minded, but around certain things, I can just tell like I hung on way too long to whatever that was and just totally ended up screwing myself over. This is like in real life and in crypto. And I would tend to say, like, just be more like the curious, open minded side of me and less like the stubborn side of me. I really think like you have to know what you value and care about, but. Also like understand that this world that we're in is like moving extremely rapidly and it's very hard to know what it's going to look like in five or 10 years and just be adaptable and don't be too stubborn in your ways.
1: Learn how to let go, let go, just let go. And now it's time for the let go segment. (laughs) Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Twitter space. So lots of audio. (laughs) Keeping it up. All right. Are you able to use your cool new mic on Twitter spaces? Have you figured out that connection still in the works? I am told that it's possible. But like I said, like this
0: is someone who should have bought a mic two years ago and didn't. So you're not talking to the audiophile expert
1: here. All right. Question number 10, final question. What are you going to do after the podcast? I am going to go write a thread on
0: how my Twitter account was hacked yesterday because i need to let people know what happened so hopefully
1: they can not repeat the same mistakes that i did and it looks like we have a bonus question here josh you want to pull that one off
2: yeah by the way like mr calm cool collected thanks for joining the show in spite of the hack and wishing you the best i will tell you it could be worse it could have been jiho at the first outer edge la nftla who got hacked for over $650 million before he was going to come on our show.
0: So, Mm, well, that is not fun. Yeah. Yikes. He showed up too, though. I respect it. Yeah. Fortunately, this was not too bad. I haven't at least yet. I'm dreading to hear of somebody getting their wallet drained from this, like hoping it didn't happen, but yeah, we'll see.
2: Wishing you the best there. All right. The bonus question, and everyone likes to ask different predictions around Bitcoin I don't want to sort of make it too specific, but I am curious if you think Bitcoin will hit 50K again, what year and what quarter do you foresee that potentially happening?
0: Well, there's two ways Bitcoin can hit 50K. Bitcoin increases in its relative value or the U.S. dollar decreases in relative value. People like Balaji think that it's going to, you know, U.S. dollar is going to go down in value. And I would tend to say I'm on the front of the U.S. dollar will probably end up being fine. But I think Bitcoin will continue to be thought of as a strong store of value, at least as the gold narrative. And if we can scale with layer twos, probably as a currency. So to me, it doesn't really matter if it's in one year or five years, as long as Bitcoin eventually 50 years from now is like the world reserve currency or another blockchain that has a similar ethos.
1: That's all that I really care about. Give us a month. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wait, what's the
2: date? That was the most elegant and graceful question dodge in the history of edge of nft this is a anonymous interview you might
1: as well just you could say anything you might well i guess it goes with your pfp reputation but yeah just tell us a month near (laughs) (laughs) for 50k let me contact my guy hang on (laughs) all right we'll let you go on that one hey there nft space cadet Let's zoom in on the globe from outer
3: space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion art and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com. It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you D-gens who strive to shed the cumberbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht.
1: Okay, next segment. This is a fun one. It's a new recurring segment where we own and manage our own Web3 digital basketball team brought to us by Swoop's. Swoops is a blockchain-powered basketball simulation game that allows users to own and operate a 100% unique team, enter real-money contests with their squads, and win daily cash prizes. We definitely want to revisit the topic of Swoops GM here today. This is a daily NBA strategy game where users assemble a squad within a given salary cap to take on a challenge team made up of real or imagined NBA lineups. I'll do a little screen share on this to kind of give you guys an idea of what's going on there. So this is the overview of, of kind of what the board looks like. You got to go to gm.playswoops.com. And, you know, there's three simple setups. You got the challenge team that's unveiled each morning, 12 a.m. PST. You build your team within a given salary cap. Then there's results released every day at Swoops O'Clock, which is 5.30 p.m. PST. Mark your calendars any day for Swoops O'Clock. Why not? And this is really a great place for you to practice. If you're not involved in Swoops yet, you can sort of practice playing and see how the game works and sort of develop your strategy and your thoughts on the process before you dive in to check out the actual Swoops game. So make sure folks go out and check that out. That is gm.playswoops.com. And make sure you get on it because it's a blast. Now... Also some interesting stuff going on. There is an all-star captain challenge. This is captain challenge number two. The most points, rebounds, and assists in a single game for an individual swoopster. Top two swoopster performances earned all-star captaincy. The game is be completed in the five swoopster lobby to qualify. This begins at noon Eastern time, Tuesday, 620 and runs for 24 hours. So make sure you check that out. That should be pretty fun a lot to stand to be gained there it's going to be really fun to participate in that how's our team been doing over there josh
2: yeah yeah well you've been sort of providing all the updates i've been playing because we need to sort of win more games ethan that's really the bottom line so we're at 6 and 12 as i speak however you started to sort of mess around with our lineup a little bit we have some one star players that are pretty much on the bench at this point and on the trading block but maybe they sort of add life to another team who knows and it's clear to me that our center is sort of holding us back so no offense to swoopster 982 but he's on the chopping block so hopefully with the small roster change we can sort of improve our record exponentially because you know it all comes down to chemistry at the end of the day and one player can make all the difference
1: yeah for sure I'm checking this out too here. There's actually a GM leaderboard too. People should check out. So you can see various folks who are playing this GM monthly challenge and how well they're doing with their wins and losses. So get up there and get yourself into the game and make sure you win because you're a winner, right? If you're a winner, go in there and start winning. That's what I say. (laughs) And now we're going to be putting up a survey on Twitter as well, right? We're going to be naming a new player. Yep.
2: Yeah, it's time to name one of our additional sort of stars, right? We've got this really versatile guard forward, Swoopster 2794, and I think he's losing his sense of identity and we need to give him a name.
1: That helps. Sean, our producer and social media guru is coming up with that poll to put out on Twitter as we speak. So we look forward to your guys info. I'll share that actually right now. Looks like it's just live hot off the presses hot on our twitter here play swoops fans we're now naming this swoopster 2794 small forward some essential stats to unlock but is already playing some great games and here are our options we've got scotty hive larry bird blockchain and avalanche anthony (laughs) i love it
2: well look without sort of biasing our audience here I will say that one of those particular names reminds me of my favorite team and a city I love, which is Boston. Okay, all right, fair enough. I see we have a vote
1: already coming in for Scotty Hive. So lots of cool stuff going on there. And then let's see if we can catch up with where our Outer Edge travelers are in the in the ranking. Here we're number one eighty nine out of. 244. All right. So we got some work to do to climb these rankings here and maybe make it to the Swoopster Bowl here uh, coming up soon. But, anyways, we're doing our best. We're working on our roster. We're going to get there. We've got faith. If you guys want to go play swoops? Come play against us. Come beat us. We're relatively easy to beat at the moment, I guess. But, yeah. And also go to if you're not involved yet, go to gm.playswoops.com. Anywhere you got to enter that coupon code or referral code, make sure you do Edge of NFT make sure that we're keeping a tight relationship here with our special collaborators over there at swoops thanks a lot and now it's time for our shout out all right so we just give a moment to let you shout out someone or something that is worth shouting out really it's about as simple as that what you got for us Leonidas?
0: yeah so i'll give a shout out to this guy named trevor owens we mentioned him a little bit here earlier i hosted a show on nft now like a twitter space and he hosts the show after me. So for a long time, I knew him as like the annoying person who always made us like cut off our Twitter space so that they could go, but got to meet him in a space when we were celebrating hitting 10,000 ordinal inscriptions back in February. And yeah, he's just a really cool guy. Like he runs a fund that's been investing in a bunch of these ordinal startups. So just trying to help move the space forward. And I co-host the ordinal show with him. So have gotten to know him. Just like, yeah, respect, respect that he was here doing this but when it wasn't popular like doing web 3 on bitcoin with stacks is what kind of was his area for a period of time for several years and i have a massive amount of respect for sticking around i as soon as i saw like the cool stuff was happening on ethereum and you know you're gonna get throughout like you're gonna be in fights with bitcoin maxis all the time if you stayed on bitcoin trying to do this stuff i got out of here like five years ago and he decided to like basically not care what other people said and just pursue what he thought Bitcoin could be.
1: I respect that. That sounds about right. Cool. Anybody else you want to shout out? I'll shout
0: out my friends, Adam and Jake from my historical NFT collecting days. I've kind of moved fully into this ordinal stuff. It just kind of consumes you, but still hold on my historical NFTs and had a ton of fun collecting them with those guys over the 2021, 2022 timeframe. And they we're working on this startup called Emblem Vault that allows you to take assets from Bitcoin and trade them on Ethereum. So it's a cross-chain bridging technology. And it's pretty cool. Like you can take the old rare Pepe's or ordinal inscriptions from Bitcoin and trade them on OpenSea. So for those people who maybe they don't want to deal with downloading Xverse and getting onboarded the slightly harder way to the space, they can dip their toes in and still own these assets by using the Emblem Vault curated collections on OpenSea.
1: Awesome. Great stuff. Thanks for that. And now it's time to just kind of close out here. So tell us first, where can listeners go to learn more about you and the project you're working on?
0: So my Twitter account is LeonidasNFT. Our company account for Ord.io is Ord underscore IO. Pretty much. I hang out mostly on Twitter, so you can DM me. My DMs are open. Yeah, that's where to find me. Simple. All right. Sounds
1: great. Okay. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing edgeofnft with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great Web3 content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and
3: opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.